Does watching evil get depicted on screen do harm to you? We discuss this and more with special guest Tyler Smith on this episode of The Overthinkers. Hello, thinking people's thinking people. Welcome to The Overthinkers, a home for people who love to have fun thinking deeply. I'm your host, Joseph Holmes, film critic, filmmaker, film apologist, and with me as always is my cantankerously charismatic co-host. Nathan Clarkson, actor, author, filmmaker, and um, I'm so excited to be able to say this, uh, award-winning podcast host. Oh, on... that's right! <laughs> uh, this is the first podcast after uh, we are very honored to win an award at the Content Media Summit for best um, uh, podcast in the arts category. So uh, we are very honored and we will be reiterating the award-winning podcast <laughs> at the So get ready to hear that just never-endingly from us. Because yes. uh, we tattoos on our foreheads about award-winning. <laughs> so, but yeah. we, so thank you to Content Media. Um, yeah. You're, yeah. You have so you are so clearly insightful, and we are very grateful. Um, <laughs> um, yes, and with us today is a very special returning guest. He is a film critic, podcast host, public speaker, filmmaker, and teacher who hosts the podcast Battleship Pretension and More Than One Lesson. He teaches film history and aesthetics in Los Angeles, California, and has produced two documentaries, Real Redemption, a film tracing the history of the relationship between Hollywood and faith communities, and Valley of the Shadow, The Spiritual Value of Horror, both of which are available on Rediscover Channel. And this yes. year, for almost the whole year at this point, he has been heroically fighting and recovering from the West Nile virus, which has left him immobilized and unable to breathe on his own or to speak. And he is, so we are truly, truly grateful he's able to be with us today. He is the talented, the tenacious, the transcendent, Tyler Smith. Tyler, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, sorry in advance about my voice, everybody. Um, and I will say that, sadly, I've only ever been an award-nominated podcaster. Uh, more Than One Lesson was nominated for a podcast award in the religion category nine years in a row, and I never won. You are the Leonardo DiCaprio of podcast. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, so now we will be praying that somebody actually has uh, the judgment to 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 finally give you the the uh, lifetime achievement podcast award. Um, well, maybe maybe uh, maybe now I'll get like a sympathy vote or something. <laughs> <laughs> hey, whatever works. Whatever works. Yeah. I'll take it. There. It's I well. It's well deserved. I gotta get something out of this. You know how much I sacrificed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure you're. Yeah, we'll definitely, definitely be pulling for that. Um, yeah. So we're so glad to have Tyler on, and today we're talking about uh, whether watching bad things on screen is bad for you. Something we know that he is really good at talking about. So we knew he was the guy uh, to talk to about this, uh, when we wanted to have the discussion, but first Nathan, if people enjoy our discussion and want to engage with more of our content and meet fellow overthinkers like themselves, where can they go? They can go to the overthinkers journal dot world to find out more about their hosts and send us all of their love and hate mail there. They can also go to the online private Facebook group called the overthinkers, where there's over 15,000 overthinkers, just like yourself, getting to do fun discussions about all the fun stuff we talk about here. You can also, in fact, no, you not can, you must also leave us a review and share with a friend. You must do this um, because it's morally, objectively good to do this. 
<laughs> um, uh, and uh, it really does help us so very much. All right. Well, after that, everybody ready to get started? Yeah, all right. Okay, cool. I love this. The, with that level of enthusiasm, uh, we can't fail. Um, all right. So people have both loved art and been concerned about art's corrupting influence for as long as we can remember. Plato famously banned poets as his ideal republic because of poets' ability to stir the passions of the population against reason. Uh, in America in the 20th century, outcry over perceived immoral content coming out of Hollywood led to Hollywood self-censoring with the Hayes Code, which prevented studios from making films that promoted bad morals. Today is no different. Many parents and Christians remain concerned that portrayals of things like violence and sex on screen will have harmful effects on people, and seeing horror films might open you up to the demonic. Meanwhile, activists fear that being exposed to bigoted or sexist ideas in the media will perpetuate those ideas and prejudices. And those fears are not entirely unfounded. Multiple studies, including those from the American Psychological Association, show that children watching violence on screen makes them more likely to behave, to both behave aggressively and react more fearfully to the world. Multiple studies have also similarly linked pornography to a litany of destructive outcomes for people, and much of what is on screen has been convincingly argued in many ways to be pornographic. Similarly, it's well established that movies can affect attitudes toward for the worse, such as the original Birth of a Nation film inspiring a revival of the Ku Klux Klan. However, others push back, claiming that not portraying things like violence, swearing, and sex, and bigotry prevents us from being truthful about the human experience, at the relationship between watching people commit evil acts and experiencing them that harm yourself is far more complicated than a good and bad paradigm suggests. In the words of the famous film critic Robert Jer Ebert, it's not what the movie's about, it's how it's about it. Tyler Smith, you've been writing and speaking and teaching about film and what film teaches us for a very long time. In what context do you think that watching evil and problematic behavior on screen is harmful to us? And in what context do you think that harms are overblown or even it can be beneficial? Well, I'm uh, I'm glad that you said that Roger Ebert quote because it saves me the trouble of saying it. Because I, abs <laughs> I absolutely was going to because it's, you know, it's something that I had read years ago. And boy, did I not expect to have to say it over and over again. <laughs> but man, the older I get, and the more people I talk to about movies, the more relevant that quote becomes. Um, because it is, it is all about context. And, uh, and that's the thing is, to go back to your question, uh, film, or I guess art in general, is inherently manipulative. Now, mm. we think of that term as a negative. Like, if a person is manipulative, we don't like that. But the nature, but like, very nature of art is to be manipulative. It's, you know, it wants you, it gets you to basically like artificially think about things and feel things that you were not thinking about or feeling when you started that work of art, um, whether it be reading a book or listening to a song or watching a movie. Um, that's just the nature of art. So, you know, when you have that power of manipulation, um, it can be, I don't know if I would go so far as to say dangerous, but it can be very effective one way or the other. Um, and so I do think, just like anything else, art does have the, the power to maybe not 
the power to hurt us, but the power to allow us to become hurt mm-hmm. or, uh, or hurt somebody else. So I, I, I do think it's very possible. Yeah, I I agree with you. And this is this is a difficult subject. And again, in in uh, overthinkers fashion, um, I'm not going to give a a quick easy answer here. Though I wish I could someday. Someday I hope. <laughs> one day, one day we'll have a definitive yes. This is the simple answer episode. But that day is not today. I I want to be able to be like yes this, but I, I'm going to talk about this from kind of two different sides. So I am an artist, and you can. You know, take your qualms with my art, totally fine. Qualm. Q-U-A-L-M. Um, I'm not saying I'm the greatest artist, but I do make a living off of the things I create. And the philosophy that I have is the reason I want to create things is because I want to affect people, affect people, in fact. Um, I want my art to do something. Now, whether it does or not um, is, you know, usually up to the quality I'm able to... Um, participate in or 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 get um but that is the goal i want to create art to cause um change and effect in the viewer and the in the audience um now i will say i i do it because i want to make the world a better place and i believe um that through the engaging with art be it mine or someone else's you can learn something new you can be affected you can be inspired you can be changed and so i do believe and i think there's a a good amount of at least anecdotal data and probably even more data to show that art does affect us and i think that's one of the most beautiful things about it is that art has power in our lives um i mean to get us through things to help to teach to all these different things so art does intrinsically have a power over the human mind mm-hmm. i think there was no accident that jesus told stories um to his audience and, and, and those stories end up changing the course of history so i do mm-hmm. think that art intrinsically whether you're religious or not um i think we can kind of agree that art um not only does but is intended by the artist to mm-hmm. change the viewer in some way that being said so I admit art changes us, it affects us, it touches us. That being said, I have noticed a trend, particularly within the religious community, particularly within my religious community, um, that because that's a reality that we kind of know and and understand, it makes us fearful of art. We start going, well, since art can affect us and can affect my children and can affect my husband or my wife or, you know, whatever it might be, or my pastor, um, we start getting very fearful and gatekeeping about the art that we allow both ourselves and others to engage with. Now, this is an interesting thing to me because because I think what what has happened, and and maybe this came out of a a good uh, instinct, maybe, you know, we, we want... Um, we, we want to make sure that we're not being affected in any kind of negative way. Um, but I do think that, um, another thing, while I think art is intrinsically effective, I think there's something else. I don't think living in fear, um, is a, is a good way to go about living in life and especially not one when, with engaging with beauty and art. Um, and now listen, we're, we're not talking about showing incredible, incredibly violent or sexual things, movies to young kids. Obviously that's a very impressionable age, but I'm talking about adults here for the, for the sake of this conversation. I think most of us are talking about adults here. Um, but I, I've noticed a large amount of fear around, um, the art that we engage with in the religious community. And it's one that tends towards, I'd say maybe extreme, um, I don't know what the word is, extreme like safety or, or, wow. or uh, 
insulation from this world that you worry that can affect you and the ones around you. And I think the negative outcome of this, what ends up happening when you live out of fear is that sometimes, for lack of a better metaphor, you're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Mm -hmm. Because you are fearful of how art will affect you, anything that you even, I was going to say, that looks like, anything that even sounds like, looks like, or that you even hear someone else told you that sounds like or looks like could have some sort of negative effect, you stay far away from. And what, what this has done, I think, somewhat in the religious community, mm has -hmm. actually separated us from good and beautiful art, art that could have a positive effect in our lives. Cool. So I don't think the argument is so much does art have an effect on us? I think most of us kind of know that that's what art should do. It should have an effect on you. But I do think if we're overly fearful about the art, then we can actually separate art. We can separate ourselves, our minds, our hearts from art that might actually have a positive influence on our life out of the fear of the art that can have negative influence on, on our lives. Um, so I have a lot more to say on this, but Joseph, I want to hear your thoughts. Um, we'll get into, you know, kind of differentiating those things. Yeah. How do you art is going to be good for you or bad for you and how can you live without being fearful and engaged with art so you make sure that you are inviting beautiful things into your life not just safe ones yeah so i have to say i have to definitely say that the um give credit back to tyler smith because the reason that i remembered that uh, uh roger ebert said you know it's that quote is because tyler smith reminded me uh recently so uh it's 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 definitely a good roger ebert quote definitely one to to keep uh, coming back to I I will say that yeah I I, I it's interesting because again like I grew up you know kind of a you know a Christian homeschool kid and you know again I because I had parents my parents were very like you know um I monitored you know what I watched and was like okay this is this I think would be is okay for you this would be good for you and this is not you know there was a you know a, a period of time where you know when I was like four and stuff like that where they were like I was obsessed with superhero stuff and they were like. They're like, nope, we're not going to have you watching superhero stuff right now because they, it, it paints a world that uh, and how you solve the problems of the world I don't think is healthy for you right now. You should watch uh, you should be watching Mr. Rogers right now and wait to watch, you know, Joker try to murder people in, you know, in uh, uh, acid. Uh, save that for maybe when you're a, a couple of years older. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think where what i where i see this conversation often going is sort of where you say because like you said we all agree that art affects you it's supposed to affect you we watch it because we want it to affect us we want to be affected in positive ways to contextualize our experiences that we have uh to use a real big you know 50 buck uh, way of uh describing it and but what the conversation tends to be is that it will affect you in a positive way if you only see positive things happen you know, and it will affect you in a negative way if you see negative things happen. So if you see a story that, you know, where nobody does any bad things, everybody is only behaving positively toward each other, or at the very least, the bad things are extremely minimal, then you will have um, this will be a pot. You'll you will become a better person. So it's it's it's, you know, it, it, oftentimes Christians particularly will, you know, quote this verses, you know, like what you gaze upon, you become. And they will say, you know, focus your mind on the good, the true, and the beautiful and say, you know, that's what we should do. And if you in watch things, if you watch violence, if you watch sex, if you watch, you know, uh, demons, if you watch horror things, like those things will then affect you to become like those things because your mind will be thinking about those things and gazing upon those things. And I don't entirely think that that's true. I think that there's, I think too, there's some degree to which that's true. Again, I think that the you know, the example of pornography, for example, is like that's something that there seems to be some sufficient data that 
you know, engaging in that particularly regularly does very harmful effects on you. Um, but I think that, you know, that's not true for everything. And I think that oftentimes where we also get in trouble is that actually engaging in art that only presents good things and doesn't show bad things actually is in many ways um, equally, if not more for, so harmful towards you sometimes. Again, like, you know, movies like, you know, the the Hallmark romances that are, you know, show a world where bad things don't happen, but thing, if you just believe in a certain way, good things happen to you, that inspires us and shapes us in a particular way to see the world in a particular way that is harmful because it's not a true way of of describing the world. You know, oftentimes, you know, we get on Christian films who are like, okay, you know, it portrays the world as not as dark as it actually is and therefore can make people believe the world um, is, is it, if you just believe certain things, the world, everything will go right for you. So the idea that it's just watching the content that's bad, it doesn't seem like that is the criteria one should use. Um, so it seems like there, there has to be another way to look at this to say, this is when watching certain content is bad for you versus not um so yeah that's 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 sort of where i start from uh and uh, i guess tyler smith how where what what would you jump off of uh for what we said and and where would you take it well what you guys are talking about is discernment and mm. this idea that that if you really like use your mind and you know and also if you use your heart, um, you can actually, uh, you can actually like glean really valuable uh, lessons or engagement out of even you know the the most unlikely of films. Um, but that's the thing is going back to something that uh, uh, Nathan was saying. Like he actually used the word uh, adult. As opposed to like showing stuff to kids. And what I will say is when you say adult, uh, you mean a literal physical adult. Because I think a lot of Christians do not approach film in a truly adult way. They approach it in a very childlike way, or rather childish, um, which is to only ever see what you're presented with, to uh, engage in no analysis at all um and just dismiss the whole thing yeah. and so it's something that i've said on my podcast a lot which is that uh extremes are easy yeah. now, nobody ever thinks of the concept of extreme as something easy and yes it can be difficult to pull off but philosophically it's very easy like if you just say all right, I'm not going to see any rated R movies. All right, well, that might be difficult to pull off because some of them might look good to you. But at the very least, you can rest easy thinking, well, I know this is a, a rule that I have, and that's going to make life so much uh, easier for me. I can, always, I can always just default to that rule. And... But that's the thing is like extremes are easy, but they rarely help us. Mm. Like if I if I decided, hey, you know what? I'm never going to work out. I'm never going to go to the gym because I could 
or I could wind up uh, hurting myself. Now that's true. I could, but I'm also not going to get any stronger. And so I feel like that's, that's kind of the, the problem with the Christian attitude is we want to guard our heart, which is not a bad instinct, but I think we're guarding it from so much that we're not allowing ourselves to be engaged by art, which I consider to be a search for truth in some regard. It might not arrive at, you know, what we consider to be the ultimate truth. But, uh, but it is, uh, that, you know, the good art is a search for truth nonetheless. And, uh, to cut ourselves off from that in the spirit of guarding ourselves, I think, like you said, might wind up actually hurting us more in the long run, especially when it comes to engaging with people that we don't agree with or situations that are uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you a hundred percent. And I think, I think you're right on both accounts that extreme thinking is easy mm. and you, you can, you can evidence this by children thinking extremes. Um, they yeah. act extremes. Mm. And so to live in a place where you're evaluating art in an extreme way is a childish way to approach art. Um, so like I said, Art can affect us. And that means cool. both positively and negatively. And as you said, Tyler, discernment is a key word here, is how do we learn which one of those things will take place if we engage with this yeah. art? Um, and so <clears throat> I do think that we can offer a little bit um, of, of, of <laughs> I, I just hesitate using these words, but nuance here that might give you a little bit of insight in and take you a little further out of that extreme, I'm never going to watch any kind of movie that has this kind of mm -hmm. thing in it. You know, that's actually could be blocking you from really inspiring beautiful things that could teach, even enhance your faith, because it has something in it that looks like it's not. And Joseph, you pointed out this is what I what I think is happening here, which is you pointed out what, um, what one of the extremes that tends to happen in art, particularly we've seen it happen in the Christian art. Um, both in, in the literary and the, the film um, worlds and in the music world, um, which is if it shows anything negative, the fear is you'll become negative. You know, I, I remember this happening um, when I was very young. I loved this CD that my parents got me called the American Pie CDs. And, they're, and, they're, and they're, uh, don't get mad at my parents. Uh, they're still very, <laughs> but, you know, uh, my parents grew up loving folk music and all this. And I remember listening to this American Pie CD and it had love songs. It had songs about suicide. It had songs about struggling, about, um, uh, about fear, about doubt. It had songs about losing love. And I remember even as a kid, I, I don't know, I was 10, 11, 12, something like that. I, I was enchanted with the beauty of their honesty. Yeah. And the thing is, none of these people were endorsing any of the negative things. They, they weren't saying this is good. They were, they were working through them and trying to find the hope and understanding and sense in them. So it wasn't, th these were not songs that were endorsing bad things. I'm sure one of them was or something that you can find, but most of them were people who were honestly grappling with darkness um, that the world has that we have in our lives. We live in a broken world and trying to understand it. Now, 
you know, you would think that as people who believe in God and believe in redemption, believe in truth, that we would be the ones grappling with that stuff. Mm -hmm. But because of the fear that Joseph pointed out, that if there's anything negative, we're going to become negative. All of a sudden, I contrasted that CD that I was listening to with the music I heard in Christian radio, which was totally void of anything um, that was negative. You know, even the, even the I think it's a, the, the classic tagline, uh, safe, um, positive and safe for the whole family, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and while I'm not saying there's anything intrinsically wrong with that, it is something that segregates any kind of the art that deals with these more difficult things in life away from actually allowing our faith to take place in it. And so, yes, so, and, and this can, there's a million other um, examples I could give for Christian movies and Christian books. Um, but yes, to your point, uh, or what you said, Joseph, it's if we see it or or have it in a song, movie or book, it's going to affect us badly. So what we've gone to is just having movies, songs and books that are just totally positive, totally yeah. uh, clean, totally whatever it might be. And that and that's where we get a lot of the Christian music, a lot of Christian movies and a lot of Christian books we have now. Now, um, I understand why you go there you don't want negativity in your life you don't want negativity in your family's life and so you go to well the only logical explanation is to get rid of any negativity in anything we watch um and so it's it, it's it's that's how we end up with homework and that's how we end up with christian movies not affecting anything or or being uh connective but the thing is i do think there's a way um to do this that's that is actually benefit to show negative things in a beneficial way if there wasn't I think we'd have to get rid of most of scripture because if you look just the presence of something negative or even dark or even broken is um, evidence that it's going to affect you badly, then you have to assume that scripture will affect you badly because listen, guys, I just read through, um, I was, I've been reading through the old Testament this year. Cause I've, you know, I'm one of those, Wait. those Protestant kids who sticks mostly to the new Testament. Um, <laughs> and I was like, no, I should go back and read, um, you know, like the minor prophets and the major prophets. Oh my gosh, the darkness, the brokenness, the the sin. The, um, like you think, I make it through judges. <laughs> like, it's insane. And so, if the presence of something negative um, means you're going to be, you know, you that will invite negativity in your life, and you will be negative. Uh, you'll have negative things in your life. Yeah. Read scripture anymore. So, but what do we do? All right, we yeah. have this. Where it's like, how do we actually engage yeah. with art? Because um, we're fearful and all this, and we don't want the negative in our life. And I think it goes back, Joseph. You, you, you have droned on about this um, <laughs> uh, many times. I drone. That's what I do. And I think that the danger in not having negative things in your art is they still exist in life. And art is a place where you said a second ago we have to contextualize and understand the truth about reality. Yeah. And that's where we go to art. So if you were if you were getting rid of all darkness in your art, then you are not helping the viewer contextualize and understand what darkness is and how to deal with it. So this goes to my thing about horror movies. I've been I like horror movies. Sue me. Actually, don't. I, I can't afford it. <laughs> <laughs> but I've but the amount of people I have had tell me that I am, you know, it's going to hurt my soul. Even demons are going to are coming into my life. And and I said, well, what horror movies have you seen? Most of them have not seen a horror movie. And I'll tell you what horror movies do for me. They help me contextualize metaphorically the darkness I'm facing in my own life. And yeah. listen, I'm someone who has and has written about it uh, a lot. 
I'm someone who's dealt with severe mental illness my entire life. And I got to tell you, since the time I was young, the metaphor of the monster in horror movies has always been perfectly applicable to my understanding of the monsters that I'm fighting in my head. And so when I see light win out over that, I'm not rooting for the monster. I'm rooting for the light to win out over the monster in the same way I want to win out over my monsters. And so the, the horror movies have actually been a part of me uh, conquering my real life darkness but if we don't but if i needed to go to but most of the christian art didn't have any place for me to understand and contextualize what it took to face the yeah. darkness in the world and that's what happens we're not actually allowing art to show us how we should think about it and what we should do with it now that being said and I'll, then i'll give it to you joseph i know i'm droning here but i'm passionate about this um but the thing is yes uh and so i'm getting back to what you said yes art can be negatively affecting if you're not careful. So how do we know what bad stuff to watch and what bad, uh, you know, in a movie, what bad not, if it's contextualized in a real and true and, you know, um, you might not like, if you're not religious, ignore this, but Christian sense. Um, so, and Joseph, you pointed out, if the catharsis is on the violence, is it, if the catharsis is on dark or negative thing, then it then it's probably not a healthy thing to watch. But if it has dark and negative things, with the catharsis is on those dark and negative things being explored or won out over or defeated, that is something that's beautiful and good and actually reflects what we see in scripture and what we see in the Christian ethic. So anyway, I will shut up now. Joseph, jump in. Tyler, <laughs> I want to hear you guys. Um, yes. Yeah, so I, I'll go um, go back. So but by, by the way, again, if you, um, if somebody ever created a drinking game where it's like you know where 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 they say okay you know uh when they say nuance uh take a shot um no one would survive uh but we once uh, word <laughs> yes but um but yeah anyway uh yeah so i think you know one of the things yeah this is this is one of the things i've, I've we talked about the show i kind of i came up with as sort of one of my criteria for like is this is this does because a lot of what you hear in with Christians talk about and again we're talking about Christians because that's sort of the world we run in uh about where these conversations are happening it happens again when you like you watch again the the on the politics side you know where people are like oh you can't have these conversations happen you know uh in here because it's you know it's it's giving people bad ideas it's the same thing it happens in the secular world too uh the you know but it, our kind of frame is the Christian world to have these conversations but like yeah if there there is this idea uh, the idea that if you just remain safe from having ideas or exposure to things, um, exposure exposure to negativity creates greater fear and then creates greater um, uh, in, inspiring to uh, to do the act. Um, that is, you know, Jonathan Heights pointed out this. This is called anti-cognitive behavioral thinking. You know, in 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 psychology, cognitive behavioral therapy is the is the idea of, of training your mind to think in ways that actually make you mentally stronger rather than weaker. And one of course the principles of cognitive behavioral therapy is that actually safe exposure to negative things actually makes you more capable of handling the negativity of the world and the danger of the world. And one of the reasons we have are having a rise in anxiety and depression is because our whole society is actually becoming so safe, like, you know, creating spaces where we aren't exposed to challenging ideas or to scary things that we are actually, it's like making us more anxious and more, more depressed. And so, you know, I, I would kind of ask Christians to, and, and other people to think more deeply is that actually your attempt to create a safe space for, you know, your ideas is, can actually be harmful. And, and the, the Christians will often go back to like the, your Bible thing. will say, 
Well, the Bible is different because it's not showing you the thing. It's telling you the thing. And you're bringing the images to your mind. Somebody else isn't importing them into your mind. And if, the fact is, we had this on somebody on for, um, excuse me, not a somebody, um, Ms. Amanda Dykes, who were talking about uh, uh, talking about uh, fiction, reading fiction. And actually, the fact is, it's not true. The the when when you call things to your mind when you're reading them, that's it's basically the same thing. When you call the mind, it's like okay, this is they're describing violence, so that comes into your mind. You have the pretty much the same reaction. It's not entirely the same, but it's pretty close. Yeah. So I think you know where where I kind of go is it is true again. Reason we talk about the catharsis being a a model for saying what you know art is. So okay, to to the point of like it's not what is being shown, it's how it's being shown it, sort of the, the Roger Ebert thing. So how is it showing it? Is it making what it's portraying, is it making evil look beautiful and look good? Or is it making what's you know beautiful look ugly and what's ugly look beautiful? Or is it not? Again, so one of the criteria we used, we talked about is the catharsis one, because we know our brains operate. And um, was it um, Dr. Uh, Andrew Huberman has talked about this online, but is our brains operate on the basis of Desiring something and then having the satisfaction of getting that desire. And when we have the satisfaction of getting the thing we desire and enjoying it, we want to do that again. So if a movie or a work of art creates catharsis or like satisfaction of the desire, release of attention in a way that so it makes us want to get that thing again around something evil or bad or negative. And uh, then that could be a bad thing for us to habituate that into ourselves. So, you know, again, I, you know, and 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 Tyler Smith has heroically defended, you know, uh, in in his his great intellectual way, you know, Saw movies and Friday the Thirteenth movies on this podcast. But I often use them as the example, uh, the negative example, um, because they say, okay, the catharsis you receive in those movies is when the bad guy gets away with it, does the awful thing, and gets away with it. That's where you get the emotional release and satisfaction. So I kind of saying that may be a bad habit to get into watching those things. But like you said, when there's a horror film, that's the like the exorcist and again tyler smith you mentioned this in the article that uh, the interview you gave for the article i wrote which i'll talk about later but is you know in the exorcist movies there is no version of that where the demon looks good or attractive like there is no version of that where that's glorifying evil except to the degree i'll actually say this except to the degree that they make it seem like maybe the demon is more powerful than jesus because they aren't able to get it get the get the demon out you know but it doesn't make it attractive and so i think you know, is it contextualizing these bad things in a way that's making them attract seem attractive, or is it contextualizing them in ways and make them seem positive? So that's sort of where I've kind of landed with some of these things. But I would like you, Tyler, to be able to describe what are other criteria you would use to help people say this is a way that this might watching this or at least habitually watching something like this might inspire negative things in you that you might not want to habituate and what are criteria to use to say no this actually could be positive for you well i do think that you know going back to something that you mentioned which is like a movie that makes uh or portrays the ugly as beautiful and the beautiful as ugly like yeah a lot of people, especially in Christian circles, would say that's uh, inherently wrong to do. And But to me, the answer is always, why? Like Wait. if somebody is, if a filmmaker has chosen to do that, either they're just totally off kilter or they're doing it for a reason. So now the question is, what's their reason? And... 
And so that's the thing is like, none of this stuff happens in a vacuum. Uh, there's the context of the filmmakers, uh, uh, motivations, but then there's also the context of your own experiences and what you as a viewer, uh, will bring to it. Um, and so like, I, uh, I forget who, which of you said like a concept of something that, uh, something that, uh, the, is okay for the whole family. Hmm. Yeah. Um, the whole and, family. Yeah. That was Nathan. Yeah. And that's such a, that's such a standard thing for people to say is like, it's like, oh, I want something that I can watch with my kids. Yeah. All right. That's fine. I have kids. I like watching stuff with them. Uh, but that, that can't be your only criteria, especially if it's you by yourself, you're an adult, like you can't, you can't approach everything the way a kid would, at least I hope not. And so you should be able to sort of exercise your own mind so that stuff that, yeah, might not be appropriate for a kid, uh, could still be tremendously valuable for you. Um, but, uh, anyway, sorry, those just some stray thoughts and that's what we do here. No worries. <laughs> yeah. And you know, the other thing, uh, another Roger Ebert quote that I love is when he says that, uh, movies are a machine that generate empathy. Uh, and he just says that about movies in general. And I do think that when watching movies, well-made or otherwise, uh, we can see things from another person's uh, point of view and someone that we have nothing in common with. And that is tremendously helpful, um, especially, I'd say, for a Christian. You know, Jesus was tremendously empathetic uh, towards other people. And, and I would say, if you want to look at a a world without empathy, uh, yeah, check out the Saw movies because Jigsaw has no room in his in his heart for forgiveness. Uh, yeah. He does. He never says like, "Well, I'm not perfect either." You know, he he only ever sees like, "Oh, this person committed a sin, and thus they must be punished or driven forcefully towards uh, redemption." And it's like, yeah, but there's no room for grace there's no room for self-examination there on the part of uh jigsaw himself and so like that's that's a horror movie that some people would say has no value at all um because it does engage in really grisly images and i have no doubt that there are plenty of people for whom that's what it's all about and okay fair enough but underneath it all is this feeling of uh, a universal sense of justice and we have to ask ourselves is that what we really want uh when we watch these movies would any of us uh you know we act like we're good people but if somebody like jigsaw is looking at us would any of us uh escape from this from the situation or are we all just bad enough that we all deserve to be in the situation you know and so you know, that's an example of like, I think that there's a lot of positivity to be gleaned from that, even if the, even if it may not 
feel positive in the moment um, because, you know, sometimes learning uh, is painful. Sometimes it means facing a reality that you'd rather not face, but you grow as a person as a result. Um, although I will say that uh, outside of stylistically, uh, I am not usually one to uh, argue in favor of the Friday the 13th movies. Um, mm. I'm not a huge fan of slashers, um, but there's still still good stuff to be uh, gotten from those, at the very least artistically. Um, but to go back to what you were asking, which is what are some of the negative ways that uh, a movie can impact you? Well, it can impact you in any number of negative ways, but in the end, I still think that is up to the viewer. You know, um, if you look at every movie, seeing like, well, what can I get from this? Or what is the filmmaker trying to say, even if it's in a roundabout way, if you do that, then even the darker messages will wind up being kind of positive for you because you've learned something. And when you learn something, you grow. Um, and, you know, maybe you don't want to learn that thing. Maybe you don't want to sympathize or empathize with certain people. And the fact that you now are is very uncomfortable. Okay, fair enough. But we're not called to be comfortable. We're called to love and be forgiving of our fellow man while still striving for justice. And, um, you know, I can't help but think um, one of my absolute favorite comedy bits by probably my favorite stand-up, uh, Norm MacDonald, R.I.P. Um, but Norm MacDonald said that uh, anytime somebody would say like, hey, I don't understand how anybody could kill themselves. He always says, you don't? And he's <laughs> like, what are you living on? What do you live in a, a a cotton candy house? And so like, and what I love about that bit, speaking as somebody who has occasionally been suicidal, and I feel like I might have mentioned this maybe even on this show before, but it's this idea that like, I'm sure a lot of us probably could understand why someone might want to kill themselves, but we don't we don't want to admit that to ourselves. So it's a lot easier to just stigmatize that thought, uh, that thought process. And in doing so, we cut ourselves off from any empathy for people that might be more overtly experiencing it. And then, you know, a lack of empathy can very quickly turn to judgment. And what he's basically saying is like, yeah, if you, if you refuse to engage with the darker parts of humanity and the darker parts of yourself, then you are part, you are uh, cutting yourself off in some way, shape or form from your fellow man. Yeah. And so I do think there are plenty of people that watch horror movies or watch any kind of uh, dark film. It doesn't have to be horror. Um, when you think about it, film noir of the 1940s, was tremendously fatalistic uh, and and rarely ended in a positive way. Um, 
So, but if you watch that with any kind, with like a total lack of discernment, um, or you just kind of let everything in um, without any uh, kind of thoughtful approach to it, yeah, of course it's going to affect you negatively because the tone of these movies is dark and kind of cynical sometimes. But, and that's why I think it's important rather than just cut off that entire part of you to protect yourself, I think it's something that needs to be exercised regularly so that not only will these movies not, uh, you know, bowl you over, but you'll actually learn something from them and gather something from them so that they're actually enjoyable and tremendously valuable. Yeah. This and is... that I really, uh, I really ramble a lot there. Sorry about that. Yes. There, how dare I... you talk long on a podcast where we asked you to say something, you know, profound and you did. Agree. Yeah. I don't think you rambled at all. That was really, really, um, you just covered so much of what we're trying to get at here. And, um, only Tyler Smith could make a compelling argument <laughs> that garner spiritual truth from the Saw franchise. <laughs> now I'm rethinking everything. <laughs> oh, um, that was amazing. Also, you know, I'm just going to add to that and we'll wrap up here shortly. We'll let Tyler have the last word. But one of the things is why don't we show children, you know, um, very bad negative things is because they're children and they're very impressionable and they're learning the reality about the world. And so if you expose them to something, they might believe an untrue thing about it. Right. And that's what we don't. And so, but it, it, as you pointed out, Tyler, so why are we acting like we're children? Because, you know, I'll, I'll speak to the Christians or even the, the, the more political people or secular people. If you are worried about watching something that will expose you and change your mind about something, then you obviously don't believe you are adult enough or have any sort of substantive um, connection to what you believe is true or untrue. Meaning you can show me any movie. It's not going to make me racist. It's not going to make me sexist. It's not going to make me doubt my faith. Um, it, all of those things, because I have done the work to become educated in the things I believe about the world, I am not worried that if I encounter a piece of art that is somehow negative on the things I believe or whatever it might be, that I'm going to be shaken. Um, I, I can I have not a lot of fear when engaging with art because I have a security in what I know to be true. And maybe I will be shaken. But if I am shaken, that means there could be something I need to learn there. And as you pointed out, Tyler, a lot of this is escaping negative emotion. We don't want to experience negativity because we think experiencing negativity is bad. Have you read the Psalms? Again, I just went through the minor and major prophets. All they do is experience negativity. I mean, goodness gracious, read Ecclesiastes, read um, Jeremiah. These, these men, these prophets are experiencing huge negative emotions. Um, but what they're doing is they're working through them. They are, they're, yeah. as you pointed out, Tyler, they're exercising these things. So if a piece of art makes you feel negative, that doesn't mean that uh, something bad happened. That could mean something that you are you are about to realize something true that you can actually deal with and engage with and grapple with. And maybe um, by engaging with it, by being exposed to something and feeling the negativity, you'll actually be able to expel it from you or heal from it, whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, we, we are adults and um, 
if you feel that a movie is going to really shake your entire worldview, maybe you need to go back and, and really study and engage with your worldview and know what you believe and know what you feel um, about any number of issues. Um, so you can actually engage with art without that fear of, oh, no, this is going to affect me in a scary way. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. And, and this is not to say anything to anybody. This is just my personal thing. I, I've watched movies about um, you know, d demonic possession, say the, you know, the exorcist. Um, and I have zero fear of demons entering me. I, I see this all over Twitter that if you watch a, a dark movie, demons are going to, you know, come out and you open yourself up to all these. Do you know why I don't fear that? Because I have such a faith in the God I know, because I have such a relationship with the God I know. And so sometimes when I see that fear, what it makes me think is, oh, I, it doesn't seem that you have a lot of faith. It doesn't seem that you feel very grounded in your relationship with God. If just watching a movie could shake up and demons would come on you as a result of it. So I'm, I'm digressing a little bit, but what I'm really trying to say here is we shouldn't be scared of art. And as Tyler pointed out, in fact, sometimes those negative emotions, those negative things can actually tell us something about ourselves. Um, and so to, to, you know, kind of wrap this up, um, yes, always be evaluating how does this affect me, but also be asking the question that Tyler, that Tyler said is, why is this affecting me? What is the purpose here? And is there something to explore um, in how it affected me that could give me a greater understanding of myself and the world around me? Um, this is not to say that every piece of art is good. And I think it's good to ask, you know, what is this doing? What is this accomplishing? Um, but I think, it, um, you know, in the same way that just wa watching terrible art um, for the sake, and by the way, there's no shame in that. You know, Paul talks about um, when I was young, I ate the child of, uh, I, uh, you know, when I was young, I eat food of children. When I'm old, I eat solid foods, essentially. You know, it, it talks about the, the meat in the temple, right? Which meat to eat, some people feel conviction, some people don't. So that's absolutely something to bring in here. If you are feeling convicted about something, don't do it. Um, but if you're not feeling that, don't judge someone else how, how they are feeling convicted or, or how they engage with something. We're all in different um, parts of this journey. We all can engage with different things. Um, and the thing that, that affects you might not affect me and vice versa. And so be aware of where you are, be aware of what you believe, be aware of what affects you, of course, but don't go to that simple extreme safety that blocks off things that really could have a learning and educating effect, both on your mind and your soul, the things that might actually make you feel negative emotion, but through that negative emotion, you can learn something about yourself and maybe heal. So anyway, um, we threw a lot at you guys today and we, we hope you um, garnered something from it. Joseph, um, any last words before we give um, Tyler the wrap up thoughts? Sure, yeah, I'll say it again. I, you know, um, James K. Smith, he's a, a Christian philosopher. He says, you know, the, the things that we do and the things that we watch and the things that way we live shapes what we love. And so I don't think that, you know, all like art is morally neutral in even if you're an adult and that it can't necessarily affect you negatively. And I do think that making a habit of um, making a habit towards watching things that do make what is good seem evil and evil seem good and what's beautiful, ugly and ugly, beautiful. Um, I think if you make a habit of watching that and particularly a habit of watching it um, and as something to give you that catharsis of enjoyment, I think that that's, um, I think that can affect you negatively, but it's not just, it's not the content. It's not the seeing the thing. It's the catharsis around the contextualization of the thing that is doing. But I will say that Tyler Smith has made an excellent point, which is that a, you know, you should be whatever art you're doing, you should be engaging with it critically and wrestling with it and thinking about it. You shouldn't just be being passive about it. And one of the things 
the ways you can engage with it that can be positive is even if it is something that does make what is ugly, beautiful and beautiful, ugly, you can use it as an opportunity to actually understand the person making it and to empathize and love them. You don't receive it as your own story. You are instead receiving it as a way to learn about somebody else's story. And that can be a positive way that you're engaging with art, even that might, you might say is, is, you know, evil. And of course, as you know, as Tyler and I both as sort of film critics, that's sort of a way we are, are, you know, are disposed to go see movies, to be able to talk about them and engage with them and say, how do we understand what that's saying about the person who made it and about our society um, in that way? But that's, that is another piece of it is understand is that how you are choosing to engage with the art is going to have as big an impact as um, what the art is doing itself. If you're choosing to engage with the art where that whatever this person is telling me in the story, I'm going to take that on as my story. Or if you're going to say, whatever story this person is going to tell, I'm going to help use that in order to help me understand and love them better. That is another piece about the best way to um, make sure that any art that you engage in is very positive. So anyway, th so that's, that's just to say, emphasizing that point that Tyler Smith is making, that's really great. That's, hopefully, this has been helpful to everybody in engaging better. Tyler Smith, what would you say to wrap us up? Well, I... Uh, so I'll, I'll tell a story, and Ooh. then I'll, I'll lead into uh, what I want to say. So, you know, I've been in this situation uh, for the last 13 plus months, and a lot of what I do is just sit around and watch stuff on TV and all that. And I caught up on a lot of shows and all that. Um, but only in the last uh, month or so, uh, I've started like kind of doing some stuff uh, that I used to do. Like I consulted on somebody's script. I'll be doing that again uh, in two hours. Uh, I've been writing articles. Uh, I've been doing podcasts on Battleship Pretension. Um, I'm talking with you guys. And I remember uh, after I had read that first script and I spent two hours talking with the writer about it, I mean, my brain was just invigorated. Mm -hmm. um, I, it just felt like I had gotten some real exercise like in a long time and it felt great. Um, and so the reason that I say that is that, you know, the stuff that we're talking about being discerning, you know, putting in the effort to, to, uh, think about these things, I really don't want to make it sound like it's a chore, mm. uh, like it's something that, you know, the three of us go into a movie and then afterwards, like. All right, I guess uh, I guess I gotta <laughs> think about this now. And then afterwards, you know, we're drenched in sweat, and we, <laughs> and we need a nap. You know, like at first, it can be challenging, it can be difficult, but eventually, it becomes second nature, and even more so, it becomes exciting, and it becomes something that gives you life, and something that gives you energy. Because you are learning stuff about yourself. You're learning stuff about your fellow man. And personally, I think you're learning stuff about God, even if the director didn't intend it. And all of that is very exciting. 
it's tough in the more you know it's tough in the moment um and i'm sure all three of us have had people ask us like can't you ever just enjoy a movie you know <laughs> so we've all we've all had that and yeah. you know my my own my own mom said that to me and i just said like mom i am enjoying the movie and i'm enjoying it not yes. even not even more than you but I enjoy it in a different way than most people. But I think the way I enjoy it is deeper and and yields and it yields more enjoyment. Um, and so that's the thing is everything that we're talking about, we're making it sound like life and death. And I do think it's very important. But on top of that, it can just be fun. Like I've been, you know, I started my podcast in 2007 all right and we've been doing weekly shows ever since and if i weren't in my current circumstance i'd still be doing it every week instead of like once a month um yeah you don't do that because it's work you do it because it's fun and it's invigorating and talking with other people that are also looking to, to uh really glean something from their art, uh, you might not even agree with them. But oddly enough, that's when it can be the most fun. And so yeah. I, I really hope that we don't turn anybody off by suggesting that like, no, this should be this should be hard. You know, it's in a way, I know that your audience isn't exclusively Christian, but I've compared this to Christianity, uh, where you know, you start looking at things through a new eye and people say, yeah, but doesn't that make it harder? And it's like, I guess it does, but I, I would never want to go back. Yeah. You know? And so I really just want to encourage people that this can actually be a lot of fun. And my guess is that if people are already listening to this <laughs> show, they, they, they probably already know that. Listen, wrestling with thoughts, sure, it can be exhausting, but it's fun to wrestle yeah. with big I, I yeah. love there's a fun aspect to this. And we hope that yes, there there is a life and death aspect to this. Absolutely. The practices you do um are are life and death and how you engage with art and beauty and truth. But there's also a joy to this. And I'm so glad you pointed that out to wrap yeah. us up. Go out there, think deeply and have fun as you're engaging with art. Um, this should be a, a, an enjoyable process as you're coming to discoveries about truth, humanity, and God. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, no, I agree. Again, I'm so glad you brought that up because again, that's true. Like every the, dis, discussing movies like this is how I get the most joy out of this. And maybe you guys will think we're weird again, like Tyler said, probably if you uh, have been um, are still listening to us, you are on board with that. But yeah, for anybody who is feels intimidated by this, no, the, the reason we do this and we suggest this is because it, it makes everything more fun and more beautiful once you get practiced at this. Anyway, regardless, thank you so much. Boy, are you, you're saying good things Nathan? Our tagline is having fun thinking deeply. Yes, so yes. there you go. Yeah. Tyler reminded us of our brand. So thank yeah. you, Tyler. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much, Tyler. This is this is fantastic. Now, of course, now we're off to our blesses and curses segment of the week sure. where we take a work of art, media, or resource that we want to uh, recommend, i.e. bless, or dis, i.e. curse. 
And so, of course, we always let our guests uh, decide where they want to go, if they want to go first or last. Um, what, what say you, Tyler? Uh, I'm good with whatever you guys want. All right, cool. We'll start. We'll, we'll let you go last. You can wrap us up uh, uh, okay. on a high note. Uh, so, uh, Nathan, um, do you have your blesses and curses figured out today? I do. I'm a little worried to bless uh, and curse in front of two film critics. Um, not so much know you, but especially Tyler, because I could be objectively wrong here. But so I'm going to give the, the movies I'm about to bless is a little franchise and they do not get love. Um, this franchise from the critics. The, generally speaking, um, most critics are pretty um, blasé at the best on them, but I really enjoyed them. So my wife and I, we watch a lot of scary movies, especially if they have something to do with faith. We, we love that. Um, we love to see what faith looks like in a secular society and how they're grappling with it. Usually it's pretty bad. People, you know, uh, not a lot of people do a lot of work to understand um, what real faith looks like and what it is and more than a caricature of it. But these movies um, were really interesting. They kind of get to the heart of what we're talking about today. I'm going to bless the Nun 1 and 2 uh, franchise. All right. <laughs> I screaming at me. Not everyone has to enjoy these. I know they're not perfect. I know there's issues. I know there's imbalances in character development, et cetera, et cetera. But I really enjoy them. And I'll tell you why. It goes exactly what we're talking about today. One, these movies are scary. There's there's the classic jump scares and the, you know, the monster um, uh, that that's attacking, you know, whatever the the main protagonist. Well, what I loved about these is one, they got faith right in a lot of ways. It, it was respectful of faith, and actually, it showed that the more devout someone was, the more committed to their faith, the more triumph over evil, a power to triumph over evil they had. And I thought it was a beautiful thing, and it was also a great reminder for me, and it and it kind of spurred me on to um, engage with my faith on a deeper way, and yet. These were filled with, quote, negative imagery and, and you know, quote, evil things happening and violence. And yet I left the theater being inspired to engage with my faith in a deeper way because I was reminded even subliminally, and as I thought about it more, obviously more explicitly, but I was reminded subliminally of how um, devoutness, how, how holding your faith and, and becoming more engaged with it actually right. is the process by which you go about defeating evil. And so I love portrayed in these movies um i do love the main character you know i think she's fantastic it's it's she's not um yeah i'm so used to watching marvel movies at this point where you know these huge jacked guys are taking on these monsters i loved watching a small humble um uh quote unquote weak none take on a huge evil and win you know it kind of reminded me of lord of the rings which is also another quick bless about how they showed the darkness but the you're rooting for the light and it has a really beautiful thing to say about light versus darkness but it had to portray both um so i really enjoyed the nun series um i know that not a lot of critics did i know that you guys probably didn't but i i am going to bless them today uh i enjoyed the nun it was really funny i'll just say i'll just as a quick interlude before your curse um it, it was one of after I came out with my article where I kind of said, ah, I didn't think that the Nun 2 was very good. Like Nathan messaged me kind of like almost yelling at me saying like, okay, normally I agree with you, but you're wrong about this. And here's why. Am I the only one who understands the complexities of this ambitious cinematic masterpiece? <laughs> it, was, it was fun to have that, his enthusiasm about that. And it's, it's, it's true. Again, like I gave it a more negative review, but even I have to say that the stuff that is good in there is is what they're describing is really good and there's a the the scene i'm not gonna spoil it but they have the best third act use of 
the 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 holy communion in Eucharist <laughs> that anybody has ever put on film to me in a very cheesy way, and it also- actually. It also actually made me like go want to go to church and actually be excited to take Holy Communion. So if that's not like you know, I, if people are not curious about that, I don't know what to tell you. Um, but it was yeah. So like, there's there's definitely again, there's a lot that's kind of lazy about it, but the good stuff is is good in there, and so that's that's a, a worthy bless on on for the reasons that Nathan said. Tyler, do you have any thoughts on the Nun series? You know, uh, as much as I love horror, I've only ever seen. The first Conjuring movie. I haven't seen any of the other uh, films in the Conjuring universe. I like I re- the third one. I, I thought I like the third one. The third Conjuring. I've heard. Uh, I've heard the second Conjuring is really good, um, and certainly a lot of the uh, staff members here in my facility tell me that I got to see all of these movies. So I probably. I think I might. I might use the uh, opportunity of. Halloween to uh, mm. really delve into that series. Well, if, if, if you do, then let us know what you think about it and and right. give us the objective, correct answer about how it's good they not are. objective. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. Anyways, your curse. My curse is um, it's gonna be like it's kind of like the Saw movies. But I remember I had this story why it's a curse. I remember I fell asleep on the couch as a teenager. And I, you know how in the t- back in the old days when we watched TV, um, you know, <laughs> I, I woke up after a couple of hours and I was like, what is on, what is playing right now? And it was, I guess they play horror movies late at night. And so I was like, all right, I'll give it, ch- I'll give it a shot. It looks like, you know, a few, a few young women going on a trip together, you know, and having fun. Um, so I, I innocently uh, just watched the movie. It looked interesting. Oh, they're going to travel. Maybe something scary will happen. It was the Hostel movies. And I'm not going to explain what happens because this is a family-friendly podcast. Um, Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's awful. And I'm, and I'm sure there is some sort of um, wisdom I could have garnered. But I was a young man. And I'll just say it was just super disturbing. And what I had garnered from it was it seemed that everyone I talked to, all the people in, in school and such afterwards – what they talked about wasn't the the um, what they garnered from as far as wisdom or intellect or insight. They just kept on talking about the gruesome things. Did you see that girl's you know head do whatever? Um, and to me, um, you know, I still even have those images in my mind, which is interesting because I'm not usually affected by a lot of uh, violence and stuff. But it seemed to do exactly what we've talked about before, where the catharsis, the entertainment value, um, the joy came from the violence. And, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, Amadio Deo, uh, where we're creating the image of God and, you know, ripping that apart uh, for fun or for entertainment. Um, it kind of reminds me of the gladiators. And I think, you know, gladiators probably wasn't a great thing. And I think we don't do it in real life quite as much anymore. But I think... Um, so I'm, I'm I'm siding with the people who are careful now for my curse, which is yeah, there are some things I think uh, as I look back and I'm like yeah, I don't know that was that was not a beautiful depiction or a celebration of the image of God and life and humanity, and it seemed that there wasn't a whole lot of redeeming value to it. Now that being said, um, I it didn't change how I thought about humans. And uh, I'm still here to live to tell the tale. So I made it through a negative movie, guys, and uh, have an opinion on it. So don't worry, you can too. But those are <laughs> well, and what's you know, uh, you're getting into one of the other things that I really like about horror, which is that it 
I mean, any movie can do this, but it tends to happen with horror more than most. Uh, it can reflect what's going on in society. Like yeah. when did uh, when did the first Hostel come out? Early two thousands, I think. Early two thousands. So right around the time that we were all debating uh, Guantanamo Bay. Yeah. And uh, we were debating like whether torture is ever acceptable. And around that time, we got Saw, we got Hostel, we got Wolf Creek. It was the rise of what's referred to as torture porn. And it's just like, and people are like, oh my gosh, this is like the worst stuff. It has, it has no value at all. It's like, huh, it has no value, you say. Interesting. I might agree. Now let's take that con that idea and uh, let's maybe extrapolate stuff from it. Um, so that's one of the things that I like about, or not that I, not that I like those movies. I don't like them, but I understand the Why way they uh, can reflect society. Absolutely. I agree with sure. you. It's from something made, even if you don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. You should definitely, definitely, again, as a culture critic, you can definitely find value to talk about society with that. I do enjoy, again, I, always enjoy liking having Tyler on because he definitely makes even us like seem like the funny duddy Christians <laughs> about, <laughs> about movies, which is very difficult to do. Um, yeah, anyway, I, so I feel like I feel like maybe only a fuddy duddy would use the term fuddy duddy. Oh, <laughs> no, no lies detected. Um, so uh anyways, yes, uh blessings and curses. So I've used this sort of metaphor before, but again, when it comes to kind of, kind of content, again, you know, using the Roger Ebert, not how it's what it is, it, it's how it how it is. Um, but uh, we've just progressively shortened that quote of his throughout the episode. But yeah. uh, the but um, I want to gonna bless and curse two parallel movies. So I'm going to um, bless uh, Taken and curse Redeeming Love, uh, the movie. And I'm I'm gonna do it from um, for these reasons. So I remember when I first watched Taken. I probably told this story before. I watched it with my dad. And I watched it. It's a good dad son movie. Uh, but and watched it on TV. Watched it with commercials, which is a really funny way to watch it. But that's when we first watched it. And I remember watching it and seeing. It was almost the perfect way to watch it for me because I saw, you know, the way them taking young women and you know forcing them into sex slavery and then show and they do show that in a sort of pretty tasteful way. But they do show that and how horrific it is. And right afterwards, watching it. You know, we saw I got a commercial to them using scantily clad models to sell soap, you know, and I remember watching that and kind of watching that that made me look at that commercial and say, actually kind of grossed out by it because it was like, they're not exactly doing the same thing, but they're kind of doing the same thing. They're kind of commodifying the body to for money in that way. And so I realized during that thing, watching Taken was actually changing how I looked at objectifying the human body. And what and how wrong that was, and so perhaps, I was perhaps uh, perhaps that commercial was actively uh, trying to make you feel dirty so that you buy some soap. Buy some soap quickly. Yes, there you go. There you go. Always questions to ask. Uh, on the flip side, um, you have uh, you have something like Redeeming Love, which again I love the novel Redeeming Love. We've talked about this before on the show, but I remember being sort of. It was so funny because the whole thing, again, it's about prostitution and, and a woman being able to get out of that. 
And I remember one of the things watching it is because it was directed toward the faith-based audience. It was a it was a it was a, a movie directed toward a faith-based audience. They didn't want anything to seem too ugly because they didn't want to upset people's sensibilities. But the result was, of course, them portraying the this dark thing, prostitution, in a way that felt very soft while you were watching it. And so it kind of made the prostitution not feel so bad and seem kind of appealing. And I remember watching this thing, they're doing the exact opposite of what they're trying to do with this, the attempt to make something feel less harsh and negative and ugly so that our feelings are not protected are actually making creating a false image of this thing that they're trying to portray. And so that always to me was the perfect example of how um, trying to soften the negativity of something can actually lie about it. So that's, that's, that would be my, my curse for today on topic. So um, uh, any thoughts on that, Tyler, before, and then you can of course go to your uh, blessings and curses. Um, yeah, I actually have not seen redeeming love, nor have I seen taken. Oh, yeah, and I know that's a crime, but it's a misdemeanor. At the same time, uh, I'm not really sweating it. Fair enough. So, what? How about uh, what? What? Uh, how about your blessings and curses? Well, so uh, one thing that I do. Um, uh, while I'm here at the facility is I do breathing exercises. It's called mm -hmm. sprinting. It's where they take me off of uh, the ventilator and I breathe on my own for as long as I can. Uh, I've gotten up to three and a half hours, which is amazing. Um, and so what happens is uh, I do this at night and my night nurse is a big fan of horror movies. And so she has to like sit there with me and supervise. So I decided like, well, I'm just going to be watching stuff anyway. So let's see what, uh, let's see where we can find some common ground. And so uh, it turns out that like she likes horror movies, but like a lot of people, she's not acquainted with like the classic horror movies. Um, and so we watched a lot of them. We watched Alien, Ooh. The Thing, The Fly. Psycho, Seven, Silence of the Lambs, The Descent, uh, Slither, uh, Night of the Living Dead, uh, and just a bunch of stuff. Uh, and one thing that we watched was the original uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, <laughs> mm. uh, which I, I contend, uh, I'm going to make a stupid joke, uh, it, it should be called uh, The Texas Chainsaw masterpiece because it is uh that movie is so beautifully uh realized and i don't mean literally beautiful it is visually a very ugly film um on purpose uh and it's it's so brutal um but it also like leads up to that brutality in such a such an oppressive way um but here's the other thing when you think of texas chainsaw massacre there's a real good chance that you're imagining more blood than it has in it it mm. has almost none wow uh, yeah it's crazy now you think 
a uh, a movie with the words chainsaw and massacre <laughs> in the title that there'd be a lot of blood. There is a lot of death, but oddly enough, it's not very gory. It's very strange. But you know, in that true uh, Hitchcockian sense, uh, you don't need to show everything in order to really terrify people uh, or to give people the uh, give people the the full picture of what's going on. So I rewatched that, and I'd seen it before. It's in my own personal uh, top hundred. I think it's one of the one of the best horror movies ever made. Uh, and then, just for fun, I saw that Netflix put out oh, the no. Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie uh, last year, and it stars uh, Elsie Fisher, who was in Eighth Grade, which is a movie I love, and I thought oh, she was great at it. Oh, absolutely! Um, so I thought, eh, what the heck? Let's uh, let's see what a modern Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie looks like. And I could not finish it. Wow. It is like it's awful. Yeah, it is so atrocious. And just when you think, and you know what, I didn't finish it. It might actually get worse. Um, but like every time I think they, it's gotten as bad as it could get, they find a way to make it even worse. It's derivative. It's cheap. It tries, like it actually tries to incorporate like modern, like social concepts, like school shootings and stuff, and does so in such a clumsy, half-assed way that it's like, oh man, you're like, you've earned nothing from this. Um, and I mean, I, it has been a long time since I couldn't finish a movie, but it was just so so atrocious I, I mean it needs to be seen to be believed and maybe you know maybe uh in the last in the last act maybe it skyrockets in quality but somehow i doubt it i can and, assure uh, you it does not yeah oh did you see it i did yes <laughs> oh yeah i'm a christian I mean, so i haven't seen either of them but uh <laughs> Be an old well, that's and what's crazy is they're both like the same length. They're like an hour 20. And so I guess that's a good thing about the new one is it doesn't take up too much of your time to be terrible. Um, I mean, I, I cannot talk enough about how groundbreakingly terrible it is. I, I was amazed. Well, well there you have a bless and a curse for Texas, oh, Chainsaw. And, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes. Well done, Tyler. And, and I will say, um, in sort of a larger sense, um, that's not movie related, um, I would say uh, my big curse is uh, mosquitoes. Um, yes. I'd say big, uh, big thumbs down on mosquitoes. Not a fan. Um, because uh, that's that's how I got West Nile virus. And I would say uh, West Nile, uh, that's a big thumbs down, too. Uh, not a fan of that either. So uh, I'd say uh, uh, avoid it if you can. Uh, Amen. And yeah. we're going to be for you. And I encourage everyone out there who believes in God, um, who's listening, please pray for 
uh, Tyler, as he's on this journey, um, uh, just means so much to have support. And we, we believe that we believe in you. So keep on going. Um, and if you enjoyed this conversation today and what Tyler said, even if you disagreed with some of the things we said, I hope you'll go check out Tyler's documentaries and his work and his podcasts, um, at least engage with the ideas there. Cause there's a lot of great stuff. Um, especially people who are interested in art and faith um, to really check out. So if you if you had a reaction to things we said today, um, please engage more. And you don't have to agree with us, but you can please engage more. Tyler, if people do want to engage with your work, what you've done, what you've been working on, your reviews, your podcast, please list all the places people can go to um, engage with your, your work and you more. Well, you know, um, I haven't recorded more than one lesson in quite a while. But all the episodes are still there. You can go to morethanonelesson.com. Uh, I am still on Battleship Pretension, uh, like I said, about once a month. Um, and I'm enjoying that. But I'd say check it out anyway, because my co-host and uh, our uh, sort of guest host, I mean, they are doing, God bless them, they're doing a lot of work uh, to, to take over my stuff. Uh, or my, my part of it. And so, uh, so, you know, give them some support and go to battleshippretension.com. Uh, as mentioned, you can see my two documentaries on uh, Rediscover Television, uh, which is a, uh, uh, a streaming service that has some good movies on there. And, uh, and they also just started uh, a blog that I am now writing for Wow. Um, I'm I'm writing retrospectives of like movies that are on the streaming service. Uh, so so far, I've only written two. I wrote about Fantastic Mr. Fox and You've Got Mail. Oh, uh, nice. But, I, but soon I will be writing about um, the classic uh, Universal Monster movies like nice. Frankenstein and Dracula and that kind of thing. So um, so I'm super excited uh, to be doing that. And then also, uh, this is probably going to be a ways off, but we are going to be turning my horror documentary, uh, into a book. So, um, and that will be available from rediscover. But again, that's, we just started on this. So that's a way, that's a ways off. Uh, Um, and I will say, I hate to be shameless about this, but, uh, I do have a GoFundMe to help with um, medical costs. Uh, we have a, uh, so the facility that I'm in is getting paid for uh, through a combination of insurance and uh, state health care and out of pocket. And so, but the one thing that isn't covered is my physical therapist, who mm-hmm. everybody here. Uh, calls a miracle worker. They tell me story after story about what she's been able to do. And uh, and it's pretty amazing. And I've been working with her for about a month, month and a half. And then she uh, had to take a three-week vacation. She gets back, I believe, tomorrow. And so I'm going to be, you know, doing it five days a week with her. And it's costly. So we're out of pocket for that. And so um, if you wanted to, if you guys could like link to my GoFundMe, um, that would be great um, because, yeah, every uh, every dollar goes towards 
uh, helping me and helping my poor wife who is uh, raising twin three-year-old boys by herself, basically. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's been rough for all of us. And, uh, you know, I wish I could say that money will fix everything, but we don't actually know if it will, but it certainly will help. So, uh, so yeah, I would really appreciate if anybody could, uh, could help with that. Absolutely. If, if you like Tyler's work and have been blessed by what he's done, or if you hate Tyler's work and, and hate what he's done, doesn't matter. Help a fellow be a human being, um, who's, who's fallen on really, really, uh, difficult circumstances. I like the idea that somebody's like, I don't agree with this guy at all. I think he deserves West Nile virus. I'm not going to help him with anything. <laughs> Hopefully that's none of our listeners, but I know there's somebody out there like that. Uh, but oh, I'm sure. Like the new uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and, you know. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Boy, oh boy. But please, we will link the Indiegogo um, in the show notes, um, as well as all of uh, Tyler's other places. So check him out. If you do want to get in touch with us, uh, go to the overthinkersjournal.world and go to our online group, The Overthinkers, on Facebook. We want you there. Um, also, if you want to get in touch with me, go to nathanclarkson.me or search my name, Nathan Clarkson, on any of the socials. And you can find me on any of the socials as well. And also josephholmstudios.com. And of course, you can find my work, uh, a regular film reviews and culture criticism at religionunplugged.com we did an episode off let's get a excuse me, an article on the nun too that features an interview uh by uh with tyler smith so uh feel free to check that out to engage with more on this topic of of you know uh harm that can come watching movies uh or not um but yeah thank you so much everyone for joining thank you tyler for being here and remember thank if you it's for worth having me absolutely it's our pleasure and if, remember, if it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about.